Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Radio. Thought we were going to be cutting into baseball games today, but we're not because all of them were series enders yesterday. All four wildcard series, two and done. So uh, pretty wild, pretty crazy. We'll be back into baseball action on Saturday. Nuanas Dow ESPN Radio. You missed anything on the podcast you can, or any, anything in the first hour, excuse me, you can find it on the Nuanas Dow podcast pre- presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. All football at time, presented by Sportsbet Montana. And uh, if you think your team's bad, at least at least your team's not the New York Giants. What a display on primetime TV! The Giants are the only team in the NFL that have played three primetime games uh, so far this season, and they've been outscored ninety-five to fifteen in those games, including on Monday Night Football <laughs> earlier this week. So I think that uh, if we are uh, giving you any broad betting advice we'll give you some some specifics when it comes to the lines and stuff i think it all comes down to uh bet whoever's playing the giants and and bet the under because the giants aren't going to be able to score now i know the giants are going to have a a couple breakthroughs they'll have some games where they score some points or whatever but they're right there among the worst teams but i think that they have bigger problems than most of the other good teams or most of the other bad teams because they're supposed to be a little bit better than they actually are so this thing could all uh, unravel. But 11 sacks on Monday Night Football for the what we thought was at least shorthanded Seahawks. Instead, it was the shorthanded Giants offensive line that had no ability to protect Daniel Jones. Why is it, Brooks, that we always talk about this. In a salary cap sport, when a premier player goes down, it, it's detrimental to the team no matter what because their backups is not going to be as good. Why is it so accentuated on the offensive line, do you think? Well, I think that a lot of experience is needed, so you're not going to have a lot of veterans be backup offensive linemen. Once you become a starter in the league, you ride that out, and when you're not a starter in the league, you really are probably done. Um, so backups yeah. are kind of like career backups. Guys like Mike Person, who played nine years in the league but only was a starter for like three of them, yeah, you can, but can play all three positions. He plays inside. Which yeah, is, he, played, he could play center guard and then sometimes right tackle as well. Sure. Those guys are very rare, though. They're very valuable, and teams signing those guys to like the three or $3 million contracts like Person got towards the end of his career, That's that it may, it's a huge asset, but a lot of teams, they're not going to spend the money on that because they're already spending the money on their DN and their left tackle and their corner, and in the Giants' case, their quarterback. Right, and a lot of times, I mean, of course, there's exceptions at every position, so, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying kind of thing here, but, like, a backup linebacker, um, a a third-highest-paid linebacker, let's say, in the starting three, his backup is going to make just barely less than him. But the backup left tackle is going to be making, like, $30 million less. Right. Going against the other team's highest-paid player on the edge. Uh, We see it with corner a lot of times. If teams are down, their two best corners, like, they have a real high probability of losing that game, even if their backups are okay. Again, there's not a ton of starters that play on the outside, for instance. There are some veteran guys that maybe play on the inside 
that are backups or a nickel guy or a situational package guy. But when you're like a number one corner and you go down, that backup is oftentimes going to be a huge step back. So I think that's what we're seeing on offensive lines across the league. If you are a fantasy football player or a uh, someone that, that wagers on the NFL, check the injury report each week. Monitor it. When a, a NFL offensive line has a guy or even two guys down, I would say let that influence your decision-making, both in who you're going to play in fantasy and also, especially quarterback-wise, and also who you're going to bet on uh, for and who you're going to bet uh, against. Pretty good week last week, although there's a couple things that we dabbled into that that maybe bit us. Deshaun Watson being a late scratch against uh, for Cleveland against Baltimore, I think that hurt a lot of people across the board. Also, the, the Jets just finding new magic with Zach Wilson and, and covering against the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs won on Sunday Night Football. That probably hurt some people. And then the Texans, their second straight win by three scores or more, blowing out the Steelers. That was probably uh, the surprise of the week. What would you think of just this last week in general in the NFL? I got wiped, man. You said that we only missed a couple. That was you. <laughs> I got beat up, man. I, I I teased the Dolphins down to nine and a half. I um, had that one and that one bit me, but that was only in one on one ticket. I, I bet the Browns on Wednesday or Thursday, which ended up biting me, um, I bet... I hit on Lions. I hit on the on the uh, Jaguars. Um, Since he last week, I think a lot of people thought that was going to be a good game with Tennessee, and that was also kind of stayed away no from contest. that. I I won on the Chargers. Um, so yeah, the, the the Chiefs also beat me up because I I did bet them at a kind of a ladder bet at nine and a half all the way down to six and a half, um, and then took them on one teaser at two and a half. But I lost three bets on the Chiefs just trying to ladder against the Jets, who I thought. I really thought that even if the Chiefs didn't play well, it was going to be 24-10, you know? Like, I thought even 17-10, I thought the Chiefs were winning by a touchdown all day. And obviously, they, they would have won by 10 if they just punched that there in on the goal line when guys are sliding over at the one-yard line. That's the play. I was watching that with my wife, Kyla, um, and she knows football really well. And she was, what what's happening here? Why? It's like, because you just do not give them the ball back. We saw a game, Coulter. Which game did we see where they got the Eagles, ball back? Eagles-Redskins. Where the Eagles, Eagles commanders. Where I'm like, oh, man, the Eagles are only going to win by a field goal, man. I had them kind of laddered as well in, in one thing. And then they just go score, and you're like, uh-oh. And then the commanders go down and score, and they go to overtime. And you can lose that game easy. So you always yeah. take it down at the one if you can. Crazy late game decisions there. First of all, the, the Eagles scored a touchdown with a minute and 43 seconds left. If they would have had a field goal, it would have been like a 47-yard field goal, but certainly a makeable field goal, especially for Jake Elliott, who's one of the best kickers in the league. And so they score, and then the commanders drive all the way down, and they score. The analytics there, because Washington was a more than a touchdown dog, and I don't know if people realize this, but the, the betting line analytics, betting lines have influenced NFL analytics for years before NFL betting became en vogue and widely accepted. But the analytics, the card will tell you that if you're more than a seven-point dog on the road and you have a chance to go for two and win the game, you do it. And the commanders did not. And then they fizzled out on their first overtime drive, and then the Eagles kick a game-winning field goal, and the Eagles ended up winning by three, so they don't cover. And uh, But the commanders should have had a win there. The analytics tell you to go for it. I think that I would always go for it there. And the analytics have changed. We talk about, Coulter, that that two-and-a-half-point home advantage, which we just call the home field. If you're up by two-and-a-half, that's just home field, right? That's right. just an even game. You should win by home field. You should have it the ball at the end. 
a little momentum on your side, kick a field, you'll, you win. That really has changed like one and a half because of how prevalent it is to go for two. How many times have we seen this year? I've seen on the TV, I've seen 11, 15 points, 22 points, 26 points. Like it used to be hard to get off the fours and the sevens, you know? I mean, it was, now it seems that it's much more common. So definitely, you know, take that in. You and I are on very heavily have invested in betting one and a half instead of two and a half and five and a half instead of six and a half for this exact reason. Five and a half, especially folks, if you think that they're a touchdown favorite, you go into overtime and they score a touchdown and the game's over, they win by six. You don't cover six and a half. So just buy the extra point. I get that it's not what the pros always do, but I just tell you, I have been, you don't want to be in that position, what the Eagles just did this week with the commanders. Uh, Brooks also is hating the over-unders right now, but if you're doing over-unders also, bet it up or bet it down when it comes to like the 41 and a half and the 51 and a half. The 41 and a half and the 51 and a half are like the two sweet spots. Because that's 27-14 or, you know, 24-17, that's your 41 spot. And then your 27-24, that's like the middle of the of the ledger for, you know, siding on either a high or low scoring game. Get it below that or above that, depending on if you're betting the uh, over or the under uh, the totals on these games. Sports Bet Montana probably presents all football all the time here. Uh, each week, talking all things NFL. Brooks will be out next week, so we'll do this uh, on our own behalf because uh, Brooks is going across the ocean, going over to Europe. So that'll be fun to see how that trip uh, plays out. Can't wait to hear about it. Before we get to guessing a couple lines, the NFL MVP odds have been updated. So I'm going to let you guess who do you think now, through four games this season, is the new leader in the clubhouse, the, 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 uh, the lowest odds, I guess it would be, for NFL MVP right now, well, it opened with Patrick Mahomes. That's right. And then after the first three week, two weeks, I think three weeks for sure, it had to have switched to Tua. Is what I think I've heard. Um, it's no longer Tua. So if it's not Tua, it it has to then be. It's not Matt Stafford, which it should be. Uh, gosh, he's playing well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Dak. It's got to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen, four to one. Uh, between wow, four to be, one. between plus three eighty and plus four hundred, depending on where you're shopping. Yeah, I mean he's lighting uh, it up right now. He's lighting it up. I mean, and they just destroyed the Dolphins. Yeah, Tua Tagovailoa is uh, second. He's at five to one, plus five hundred. Mahomes plus five fifty. Jalen Hurts plus seven fifty. I like that one. That's that's pretty spicy. Yeah, the Eagles are struggling, but I they peaked. Struggling at four zero. They they peaked. <laughs> they peaked too early last year, so I think it's a part of the plan. Lamar Jackson also an interesting one right now. 10 to 1. He's playing really well. He's playing well. Christian McCaffrey, plus 2,000. Yeah, he's just got, if he scores like 20 touchdowns and has 1,000 and 1,000, which I, don't, I haven't seen his receiving stats as much, but he would have a chance. Justin Herbert's also at 20 to 1. Brock Purdy at 20 to 1. Trevor Lawrence, 25 to 1. Dak Prescott, 30 to 1. Micah Parsons, 35 to 1. Jared Goff, hilarious, 40 to 1. Jared Goff should be higher than the last five guys. <laughs> Joe Burrow. They're about to go for 14 and 3. Joe Burrow is 60 to 1, as is Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins. Derek Carr and Anthony Richardson. Justin Jefferson. Has anyone seen Deshaun Watson play? Are these real? <laughs> these are real odds. Uh, so here's, here's one thing if you're deciding on this. Uh, I do think that the Christian McCaffrey one could be a good money value if you just want to throw yeah, five bucks on that's it. That's a good value. But 16 out of the last 17 years, the MVP in the NFL has been a quarterback from one of the top two seats. Right. I mean, that's kind of what it is. It's a quarterback award. Trivia for you. Who's the only player to win MVP over the last 17 years that wasn't a the quarterback? The last 17 years. So that puts us at 2006. Uh-huh. 
Oh my gosh, Sean Alexander. No, probably wasn't even close. He used to. Sean Alexander, I believe, was the NFL MVP, but that was, I believe, twenty-one years ago. Okay. Hey, see, I know some stuff. I have no idea for our listeners. We'll just move on. What is it? Adrian Peterson. Oh, man. 2006? Uh, I think it was 2007. Seven. Oh, buddy. I think that is the greatest single Kids, season. Kids, go watch the highlights. I think that's the greatest single season by an offensive player. By a in, Clydesdale. In, in yep. NFL history. Yep. Because the Vikings were terrible. They were bad. Real and bad. they won, I think, 11 games. And he had like 2,100 yards rushing, and he had no help. Is that the year that he had... 296 in the uh-huh. game. Yeah. <laughs> go watch the highlights. Go watch the highlights. For those younger people that don't haven't seen this, go watch the highlights. Uh, Nuanas Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Brooks Nuanas joining us for all football, all the time, presented by Sportsbet Montana. All right, let's do a couple of guest lines. All right, Colt. This is a better week than last week, but remember, folks, I've been telling you, week three, four, five, they're very challenging weeks to bet because teams still have a little juice the injury bug hasn't hit they're still playing for something you could turn it around there's still a narrative be careful because there's going to be some top teams that lose these weeks i i can't tell you who but there will be a there will be an upset there will be things like that there will be funny lines well so much of like what makes good teams really good is how do you respond right like the cowboys played awful against the cardinals and then they come out, and I know the Patriots aren't good, but they just absolutely lambasted the Patriots, just killed them. Yeah. That, that's what makes good teams good. Mediocre or bad teams, they lose the Cardinals, and then they have a couple losses later because they're still yelling at each other about that. Good teams, you bounce back. But also, you never know when that loss is going to come. A lot of times, you, the teams like the Chiefs and you know the Eagles and the 49ers, they need that loss to not get, you know, too high on the horse, so to speak. The Bills lose to the Jets, and then Josh Allen, yeah, three weeks later, is an NFL frontrunner for MVP. Yes, that is definitely how it works. All right, Colt, here we go. So I'm going to give you a couple that I think are interesting lines, uh, that are funny lines, that uh, we'll have to see how they play out lines. We're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Buffalo Bills, but that does not matter because Jacksonville is still across the pond in London. Back-to-back Whoa. London games for the Jag. All right. Jags in London. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Why don't they just move them there? They're always the ones that have to play the London game because they're trying to get the see if they can have an expansion into London. Why don't they just move the Jags to London? I think it has to do with their owner being like having some international flair, for lack of a better term, and uh, the flight. I think it's the short, the, the easiest. No, I, I get it, but like they make the Jags go there because they're seeing if they can establish Jags fans because they want to move them from Jacksonville. So why don't they just move them? I don't know. I like the I like the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a fun name. It's a fun the name. Texans lane. Biggest city. Jaguars. Great. Biggest city in America. Jacksonville, Florida. Not in population. In in size of the actual city limits. I, How about that? I believe it. <laughs> don't tell me uh, it has something to do with voting. I, <laughs> I'm saying that. Oh, man, this is a really hard one to guess. I actually have really no idea because the Jags haven't been very good this year. The Bills are coming off a huge performance, but the Jags have been over there, and they they have some familiarity with it. I'm going to say the Bills are one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jags. Six-and-a-half. Whoa, I thought it was high. That's high. I said weird line. That's my notes. It's like, why? why See, okay, this is where if you really want to get nerd out, nerded out with it, dive into it, and... See if you can find a beat writer or somebody that tells you what the Buffalo Bills travel plans are. Check it out, because as Marty Mornaway said on Monday, 
they played over. He he was a part of two teams that played over in London, and he said the time that they just flew in and got off the plane and just went and warmed up and and did the game. It was awful. And the time they went in beforehand and let the guys be there for a day or two, it was way better because they could actually acclimate to it. So I would check that out. But I also, I don't know. Jags haven't been very good. Bills are coming off a huge win. But I'm staying away from that game for sure. I'm probably staying away too. I just thought it was a weird line. Um, I think this is also a weird line. I'm going to give you a hammer a couple of these here. Saints at Patriots. Saints at Patriots. New England's been terrible. They can't do anything offensively. New Orleans is coming off of getting their butts kicked by Tampa Bay, though. I am going to say that the Saints are a three-and-a-half-point favorite with the hook in New England. Patriots, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Just give it to me, right? Just, like, force hammer the Saints. To me. Like, how is that real? I don't know. Is the Saints, are they have injuries? Derek Carr has an AC sprain, but he played, and, and you said they got crushed by the, the Bucks. Physically, they got pretty, you know, they got beat, but they it was a closer game. Like, I watched most of the game. It was a pretty close game. Like, the Saints hung in there. The Saints are pretty tough. Like, they, For sure. they can play defense. The Bucs just aren't very good. The Bucs have a good record right now. They're one of the surprises in the NFL. They're not that good. They have, I mean, the fact that their whole roster lines up with the mentality of the coach and Todd Bowles and they're defensive-minded and Vita Vea and, and Devin White. And, oh, they're defensively, I mean, they're great. Right, but, like, they're just going to be a tough out no matter what. Yeah, that's true. And Baker's just got a tough guy general mentality, so. It's true. I just thought it was an interesting line as well. All right. Uh, okay, that, Ra- yeah, I, I Ravens, that Ravens at the Steelers. Kenny Pickett has a knee injury. It sounds like he might be out, but the line hasn't and moved too much Trubisky's from that yet. He's going to be in. Right. We haven't confirmed that yet. A little earlier in the week right now, but Baltimore, who's played well at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Saying the Steelers are two and a half point favorites at home. Four and a half point favorites for the Ravens. Four and a half for the Ravens. For the Ravens. Wow. I like the Ravens to win that's that game. Two of these so far, these lines, Colter, you've been off by I know, that's four and a half points, four and a half points, and yeah. six points. This, this I'm is, not saying these are weird lines. No, they are weird lines. This is what you're always saying. Where like weeks four, five, and six in the NFL get really weird because you don't know who's hurt. I mean, we you can research who's hurt and stuff, but you don't know how those injuries are going to affect teams, how those matchups play out, who's feeling good that week, who's not feeling good, who's riding the momentum, who's feeling confident, who's not. Wow, so the St- the Ravens are four-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the Ravens to win that one, but I'm probably going to tease that down to two-and-a-half. Interesting line there. So I'll give you a couple more that I think are quite interesting. Uh, one of the games of the week, in my opinion, the Houston Texans traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. Whew. Texans are hot, man. The Texans are red hot. Two, po- two straight 20-point wins. The Vikings haven't had two 20-point wins since when? Like- they haven't had one 20-point win since 2019. <laughs> Amazing. They're one of the better offenses in the league. It's hard to beat teams by 20. It is hard to beat teams by 20, unless you're somehow, someway, the Houston Texans, who I thought was going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They got receivers. They're playing defense. They got a sick quarterback. DJ Stroud is the dude. The dude. They got to come back down to earth, though. Falcons are Atlanta's battling. Been right, yeah, they've been battling, but they, they, they are the exact example of, like I always talk about, your quarterback's talent is part of the equation. Your The confidence your quarterback, the confidence your team has in your quarterback is the more important part of the equation. He's benched. Ryan Tannehill has been the great example of this, where for a long time, the Titans had a lot of confidence in him as a team, even though he's not that, he's just okay. So Ritter's bench. They're going with Taylor Heineke. Heineke, uh, they pulled him in the third quarter. Heineke's in, I believe he'll Because Ritter has been just running this thing in the mud. I believe Heineke will start. I mean, Atlanta has actually one of the best offensive units in the in the NFL. I mean, you got top 10 draft picks at receiver, running back, and tight end, and you have an above-average offensive line. you got to figure out the quarterback thing. 
Uh, Heineke's sweet. I thought he was like above average last, player, yep. last year in Washington. Even though Houston's red hot, I'm saying Atlanta's favorite at home. I'm saying three and a half with the hook. One and a half for Atlanta, but I think you're closer there. I think that's probably the right feel, but I think that you could get some serious action on Houston. They've especially wanted to tease them around up to that 10 points or, you know, at least get a full touchdown. Sure. I don't think Houston's going to get beat. Like, they're not going to get blown out anytime soon. In the NFL, in the, in the NFL we got to remember that blowouts are definitely uh, a touchdown or, or more, right? They're, you're not getting blown out if you're only losing by a touchdown, even though you can still get beat pretty good. So this is my gross game of the week. I think we should start a segment. This, on my notes, just says capital gross. Gross. The Bengals at the Cardinals. Bengals at the Cardinals. The Bengals are the biggest SOS team in the in the NFL, right? Like they're the ones that have to be sounding the alarm. It's sunk. They have to win. It's to- no, they're toast. Burrow has been squat. I mean, he's done nothing. What T Higgins is now hurt. He's out. Sounds like broken Man. rib. Cincinnati at Arizona. Cincinnati at Arizona. Cincinnati just got beat like twenty seven to three or twenty seven to three. They're on twenty four nothing to the Titans. The Titans can't score twenty points. The Arizona has been. <laughs> Like the best first half team in the NFL <laughs> this year, but then have has not been able to figure out how to finish. It's been wild, except for when they played the Cowboys. Man, I have no, I have no clue about this. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Cincy is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Yep, you nailed that one. Two and a half points for Cincy. I mean, the Cardinals are scoring, man. man. I, I don't know. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a couple dollars on the on the Cardinals at home. I think. You know I love my home dogs. Colted last week. Home dogs went four and two. Okay. And on the season they're twelve and fourteen. Okay. Remember last year home dogs finished fifty-eight and forty-three. Wow. All football all the time is presented by Sportsbet Montana. Brooks Nuanas here uh, on ESPN Radio. All right, who are the home dogs this week? Home dogs are Steelers, four and a half. Cardinals, two and a half. LA Rams are hosting the Eagles, five and a half point dogs. Mm. The Minnesota. Man, how many times are the Eagles going to get five and a half? They're going to get five and a half and a lot. And the I think that is a. I mean, I might lean Rams there again. The Eagles are four and zero. They're going to lose. Someone's going to. They're going to lose three or four or five games this year. Right. They're losing three games. Period. They might lose four or five. Like it's going to start to happen at some point. Again, I think the Eagles have a game plan where they're not rolling out everything. I think that they're again they've kind of peaked last year where they were like had eleven game winning streak and then when you get to the playoffs, of course they made a Super Bowl run. I'm not saying they peaked too early. Sure. But like I do think they want to keep some juice in the tank. So the Rams are, are playing pretty darn well. Cooper Cup is supposed to practice this week. We'll see if he gets back to playing. I was a uh, had a dad auto draft in my work league where I got Cooper Cup with my second pick. I was pretty pretty frustrated about that. But then because I thought the Rams were going to be bad tanking and Cup wouldn't come back. But now why he has a lot of incentive to come back. They're, playing, sure. they're playing well. Next, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. They have to be home dogs against the Chiefs. I'm Host, saying hosting five, the Chiefs. Five and a half. Five running. and a half yep. uh, with, with the Chiefs coming to town. And then lastly, on Monday night, in Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders are hosting the Green Bay Packers, two-and-a-half-point home dogs. Yep. Okay. Well, home dogs that I kind of like there. See, I want to say I like Arizona, but since he's just going to not, they're not going to start one and four. Okay, how about this, though? Uh, we haven't had a week this year, and I could go back through my notes last year. There hasn't been a week this year where a home dog hasn't covered. Okay. So someone's covering. Yeah, I think that's why you gravitate towards the the bigger spreads that are easier to cover, though. But the Ravens with hurt the, the, Kenny Pickett. The the Cardinals to cover just have to win because it's only two and a half, right? Right. Well, yeah. I, I just I I would more gravitate towards Los Angeles covering against Philly. Yes, I think that the Cardinals, the Rams. I mean, Minnesota's not going to cover against the Chiefs. 
No, Minnesota's going to get their asses kicked by the Chiefs. The Ravens are going to get probably beat, are probably going to beat the Steelers. And then mm-hmm. Vegas, Green Bay, like, we'll see where that all works itself out. I don't think that that, that should be a pick game in a lot of ways. Green Bay's not playing great. I mean, they have plenty of talent. They're a national team. So like, but they the, can't run the ball. They can't really run the ball. They're not playing. I mean, the Raiders didn't look great, but the Raiders, you know, they only lost by a touchdown to the Chargers, and the Chargers played well. That's with a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. I mean, Herbert lit it up this week, and the, the Raiders only lost by a touchdown. You know, it's like, I don't think the Raiders are, they're in my bottom tier, the last tier that I have with the Vikings and the Patriots and the Jets, but they're not the worst team out there. The Bengals cult, are, it's beyond SOS. They're so, so, so bad. Is it cut just because of Burrow's calf? Yeah, he can't play. He can't, they just, he don't, just can't move. They just don't have it, man. They have not been able to run the ball. They have no. They just have nothing going on. I mean, he's just played so so bad. All football all the time. Presented by Sportsbet Montana. Brooks Duanas here on ESPN Radio. Ready for this, Coulter? I'm ready. Joe Burrow's passing yards: 82, 222, 251, and 165. He has two touchdowns and five turnovers. He has two yeah. touchdowns on the season. Unbelievable. All right. I know I'm not very original with my little three and four part parlays because it's just putting the, the heavy favorites together. But I just think it's a way to get high value. You can just get like two to one or a little bit more than two to one odds by just picking some games that are, are pretty much shoe ins. So uh, here's my uh, three part parlay for you. This is to get you minus 122. So that's a little less than two to one, but it's just the commanders to win against the bears at home on Thursday night football, the lions to win at home against Carolina and the dolphins to win at home against New York. That gets you minus 122. So that's a hundred to win 182. This seems like pretty easy money to me. Yeah, I like that. Um, let, let me pull, let me get back to my numbers right here. Real Another quick. thing you can do when you talk about these money line parlays that I make, you can also go in there I'm like, I think all three of those teams are going to win, right? And I think that if you're going to win in the NFL, you're going to win by, you know, one and a half points or two and a half points. So if you go in there and you just bet all three of those teams, Commanders minus two and a half, Lions minus two and a half, Dolphins minus two and a half, now you can get some serious odds and that can be a parlay that you can hit pretty easy as well. Can we do one more guess the Lions? Sure. Or did you already look at everything? I haven't I haven't memorized It's okay. It. Sunday night. The Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. Wow, I'm saying the 49ers are a paltry, measly three-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, you nailed it. What do you think of that game? Uh, well, I think like we always talk about, the Cowboys are the stupidest team in football to bet because the lines are always skewed because they know people are going to pour money either in for the Cowboys or in for the team the Cowboys are playing. That line's going to move. That line's going to move, well, maybe... A, See, here's the funniest part. It might move toward the Cowboys. Like, it might move down to minus two and a half. It might. For the, for, in favor of the Niners. I don't know. We'll see. What if they line it up on D? I mean, they could line it up on Dak, D. Does Dak get exposed for who he really is? Or The other part is that they're just going to bring the heat, and Brock Purdy yeah. has been right. so good, but can right. he handle it? Right. Dallas is so nasty on defense. I hate the Cowboys, and I, ha- I hate analyzing them because it like breaks my brain because I just think Dak Prescott's not good. And I think that Mike McCarthy's not good. And I think Jerry Jones isn't good. But they're like the best defense in the NFL. So it's yeah. like, it really hurts to try to analyze it. Like, in your brain, you got it stuck that they, especially with the totals, you're always like, well, the Cowboys are a high-scoring team. And then sometimes they are when they beat the Giants 40 to nothing. They beat the Patriots 38 to 3. But then they're like really not that good on offense. They score multiple defensive touchdowns every time right, they get over 30. Uh, Deron Bland, shout out, Sac State, baby. He's got two defensive touchdowns this year already. I don't know. It's uh, it's a weird dynamic. Um, I'm saying I, if I if I bet that game, I'm probably just going to bet the Niners to win and the over. 
Yeah, I, I like that. Um, some things that I'm really interested in this week, Coulter, is I've been telling folks, Thursday night football, ladies and gentlemen, it is my free money hook. Woo. Free money. I don't think that I've lost a single game. No. And I just take my I take the Thursday night game, Yeah, I pick it, and then I pair it with something else later in the week. And you just spent the money line? Because, sure, whatever you want. Whatever you want, anything. I just, like, I, I'm just taking teams... Tease them down a little bit if you want, but I'm just taking a, a, a good, solid number on Thursday, and then I'm pairing it with my favorite thing on, on Sunday because I'm going into Sunday with already a piece of my parlay one. Yeah. So I just have to win one game. So this is what we're talking about, about when you're talking about betting it down because the, the the commanders are minus six and a half point favorites on Thursday night. I hate betting that just because they could win by four or five and then you're wrong. But if you think the commanders are going to win, tease it down to minus two and a half and then pair it with a couple other games that you think is going to... Yeah, so I'm going to take that down to a field goal to two and a half and I'm going to put that with a field goal for the, the Ravens to beat the Steelers. And I'll bet there you I'll go. get about, you know, I haven't looked at it, but plus 180, something like that. You know, plus 160, where I can slap, you know, a couple units on that thing and feel pretty good about uh, getting that Thursday night game out of the way. Are the Bears going to win that? Sure don't think so. The other one, Coulter, last game, send everyone out on top. I want people to feel good about where the NFL is, especially some of the national prominent teams. I really want people to analyze and pour money in on the Jets at the Broncos. What a beautiful game. (laughs) We're talking Mile High Stadium. We're talking about some of the best sun in all of America. We're talking about beautiful (laughs) aesthetics on TV. And you're going to watch Zach Wilson play Russell Wilson. Oh, baby. Come on now. Come on now, high-level quarterback play. By the way, Commanders minus two and a half, Ravens minus one and a half. You can get that at plus one fifteen. So. Light it up! Come on, hammer that's that thing. A, that's a good one. That's a hundred to win two fourteens. Pretty good bet. Let's go. All football time presented by Sportsbet Montana. Anything left before? You, how are you going to watch the NFL when you're in Europe? It'll be interesting. So it'll be. <laughs> it, I think it starts uh, the eleven o'clock kickoff in Europe will be at seven p.m. So pretty good time mm. actually. Yeah, I'll be having be some good. beers and yeah. you know feeling good about myself. And yeah, actually you can just you can watch your morning games while imbibing. That sounds great. I you never get to do that. Never have once <laughs> in my whole life. I don't think so. I'm not a morning drinker for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason, I do my drugs afternoon, but that's just me. Uh, so that'll be fun. Brooks will be gone next week and uh, maybe even the week after that too, but we'll hold down the fort while he's gone. Uh, in the meantime, have a great trip, man. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks. All football all the time presented by Sportsbet Montana. Sportsbet Montana has kiosks all over the state of Montana. Visit the Sportsbet Montana website. Click on locations. Interesting one tonight because the Washington Commanders certainly... Huge favorites over the Chicago Bears. Commanders are pretty good. Bears are really bad. But, tragically, well, I guess, I mean, a life well lived, certainly. So it's not some sort of shocking news, but certainly newsworthy. Dick Butkus just passed away. An all-time great, maybe the all-time great Chicago Bear. 80 years old. Dick Butkus, an icon of the NFL. Does that give Chicago some more juice tonight? I don't know. Where things have happened. We'll go over some of the best athletes from small towns in the Bitterroot Valley. Jeff Welsh joins us next. Montana Greats. A series continues. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? 
Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a, a, a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jschultilaw.com. Oh! The one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Rayla Montaigne here on Nuanas Now. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying yourself on this Thursday. Got good news. Uh, we're making the trek over to Moscow, Idaho next week. Grizz are on the road this week, so this is actually a rare Saturday where I won't be sitting in a football stadium. Grizz are at UC Davis. Cats are on a bye. Next week, Cats will be back home against Cal Poly, and the Grizz are on the road in Moscow, Idaho to play uh, the University of Idaho uh, at ES, uh, on ESPN2. So I'll be headed over that way. And uh, just was talking to some people over there on the Idaho campus. They're having a big event next Friday. Uh, a Tap the Keg event where there's a whole bunch of different uh, beer distributors that are going to be um, having their beers on tap to sample. And uh, any and everybody's welcome. It's not just Idaho people. Montana people can come as well. And to start next week, we're going to be giving you some tickets to uh, this event as well. So get you in the door, get you some beer and uh, all the good stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in, no matter you're listening on uh, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, or the ESPN MT app. Jeff Welsh from 406 MT Sports will join us here uh, in just a quick minute. Oh, he's on the line. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Jeff wrote this awesome book, Montana Greats from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. So I had an idea. We always do a Bitterroot Breakdown each week, highlighting various uh, athletes and coaches from the Bitterroot Valley. I figured why not hi highlight some of the best of them from a guy who did a bunch of research to find out some of the best athletes from around the state of Montana. Jeff, thanks for taking some time, man. How you doing? Uh, doing well. Great to be with you, Coulter. And hey, when you're over there in Moscow this weekend, don't forget to stop in at the Corner Club. Got to do it. Nail. Legendary. You got to do it. I, I, I can't wait. Uh, I, I've gone on the Tubs at the Club podcast over the years plenty of times, and those guys are always touting the corner club. I've only ever been there one time. That was in 2016 uh, when Montana State, after they lost the first time, the first game ever under Jeff Choate. So I have not been back to the corner club since, so I can't wait to, to stop in there. I certainly will. Um, okay, so we're just going to do this in alphabetical order because that's the easiest way to go through the book. So we'll highlight some of the the uh, the Bitterroot Valley towns and some of the best athletes in it. So we'll start with Corvallis. Uh, Jeff's choice from Corvallis was Lorna Griffin, a high schooler raised on a dairy farm in the Bitterroot Valley. Griffin was a standout in both the discus and the shot put, setting the state record in the shot put. Uh, she then went on to make the United States Olympic team twice, 1980 and 1988. So uh, pretty darn impressive. The first United States woman to throw over 200 feet in the process. So th this sounds like this is a pretty easy choice, Jeff. Multiple-time Olympian. <laughs> well... Colter, that's exactly what I was thinking when you when you brought that up. So many of these towns 
uh, including in the Bitterroot, were really, really difficult. But Lorna Griffin is just such an absolute track and field standout. And, uh, you know, for someone who really, she started out at, at Flathead Community College, Flathead Valley, and, you know, Seattle Pacific, where she's in the Hall of Fame now. But just uh, an incredible uh, career she went on to and becoming the first woman to throw over 200 feet uh, uh, dominated the sports scene in her town. Unbelievable. And Corvallis still to this day, some you know 40 plus years later, has one of the best track programs going. I mean, Spencer Hull's down there doing an outstanding job. They are the defending state champions in both boys and girls at the Class A level. So it's amazing how tradition like that resonates. Well, that's true. And, you know, that's what's interesting about Corvallis. I was just over there to do a feature last week on their football program, which is having some unprecedented success, really. And and what really jumped out was the team sports in Corvallis have historically struggled. But the individual sports and track and field rising to the top, Corvallis has produced some phenomenal athletes. It is. It's fascinating. I wonder why that is. Do you have any, like, theory on why that is? Or is, is it, that just a complete coincidence? <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's hard to say other than, you know, you compare it, and I did in the story, to Hamilton, which is a, a juggernaut in team sports. And it, the two communities are so different. Corvallis is, is so rural. And I think maybe that setting somewhat lends itself to a more individual setting. And then so many of the team sports in the valley, uh, the upper end of the valley, uh, they, they congregate on teams that end up with athletes going to Hamilton. And a lot of the really great, team player athletes of Corvallis have often gone to Hamilton. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, for those that have been in the Bitterroot Valley, you know, most people that live in the Bitterroot, they live near a town, not actually in a town. So you can choose a variety of different uh, high school options when you get to that point. So uh, maybe a a good theory there. Jeff Welsh joined us talking all things Montana greats from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. Uh, How about Darby? Todd Berry, the choice, a wrestler, three-time state champion. Was this one difficult or was this one easy as well? Well, so this is this is one that I really wrestled with. No, no pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, you've got a guy who tragically died um, of cancer, and about you know ten, eleven years ago, he was fifty. But you know, he was a USA Today All American wrestler, so he rose to a very high level on the national stage. Was in the Olympic trials in nineteen eighty as a seventeen year old, and actually, um, you know. Accumulated, he had more. As I say in the book, he had more wins at Derby than than um, than any wrestler in, in state history. But Derby also produced a pretty decent little basketball player named Kirk Walker. Yes, you know, still out there in the coaching circles, and I believe he's in Deer Lodge now. And you know, Kirk was the Kirk is the leading scorer in Montana uh, basketball history on the boys' side. And this wasn't official until a couple of years ago, actually, when I when I did a story on him. But he, he averaged an enormous amount of points, just under 40 a game. And so no question this was very difficult. And it was almost a coin toss to where I said, you know, I think it was Todd Berry's place on the national stage. And then just sort of that poignant piece about him dying so young. Yeah, certainly. Our Bitterroot Breakdown presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank been enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. Jeff Welsh chiming in, going through some of the best athletes ever from some of the towns in the Bitterroot. All right, let's go to to Florence. This is a throwback. Jim Tyak, am I saying this correctly? 
<laughs> you are. You are. You got it. Okay, Thanks so public. tell us about this guy. I mean, this is this is over a hundred years uh, old, basically, when he was first born there in Florence. Well, yeah. So this was another one of those interesting cases where, you know, there were some there's some great athletes, obviously, who've come out of Florence and who went to high school there. Um, you know, but here's a guy who was born there 110, 112 years ago and ends up being a great baseball player, high school star in California and Bakersfield, you know, goes to uh, Fresno State, uh, but ends up with the Philadelphia Phillies in, in the major leagues. And so um, and he's now in, in the Kern County Hall of Fame in California for everything that he has, he has done down there. You know, and yet his, you know, his experience in Montana was limited, just, just growing up in Florence, but he really jumped out for just how far he went. And, you know, you, you never take the Montana out of a guy like this. He was the son of a Butte copper miner, so you know that there was Montana blood running through him uh, his entire life. I, I would love to know how many people in this book and also just how many great athletes throughout the history of the state of Montana have Butte roots and also or the sons and daughters of somebody that worked in the mines in Butte? Because it seems like that's like a time that binds. It's such a fun part of Montana is just how many people come from these industrial and, and working class backgrounds. Well, as, you know, as you said, and as we talked the last time I was on your show, you know, the genesis of the book revolved around, you know, a miner, you know, from Raidersburg. Right. Uh, you know, son of a miner who ended up going to the major leagues as well in the same time frame. And, uh, and there's no question that... that and there are some great sports stories revolving around the sons and daughters of minors. Hamilton, then. Jody Robinson, the choice. A great tennis player. And uh, she's had a couple records that, I mean, truly, th this is as good as it gets. You can't, you can't really even break the records that she was able to set. You can, she's a tennis player, uh, and that's correct. You can never break her records. She not only went undefeated in four years of high school tennis, but she lost one set the entire time. One set. And so, you know, it's incredible. one set. <laughs> it is incredible. And so here again, you know, when you start talking about great athletes, you know, I'm sure, you know, Hamilton's obviously had some, some great football players, basketball players, track and field athletes who may have on the surface just been athletically better. But what Jody, ha or Jody Hamilton, Jody Robinson did on the, on the tennis court really was unbelievable earned her a note, uh, note in Sports Illustrated spaces in the crowd. She went on to have a great career um, at Washington State. But, yeah, this was from 1987 to 1990, 62-0 as a singles player, and as you said, a, a record that will never be broken. Another interesting one, Pinesdale. So those that don't know, Pinesdale is a community right by Corvallis. Sometimes get overlooked because most of the people that grow up there, they go to either Corvallis or Stevensville High School, depending on which one that they choose. But this is actually uh, one of the more prestigious people to come out of Montana. I actually don't know if a lot of people know that this guy is from Montana. Lance Allred is the choice from Pinesdale. People that follow the Big Sky might remember because he was at Weber State after starting his exactly. career at Utah. Uh, but I don't know if people really really realize this guy actually traces his roots back to the Bitterroot Valley. Well, th this to me is one of the more fascinating stories in the book, among many many fascinating stories, because you know he he was raised in a fundamentalist, uh, polygamous Mormon community uh, that that was in Pinesdale, and I actually believe still is and so the family was there until he was seven and then they decided to move to salt lake city where things weren't quite as rigid and, and you know in their religion remained lds 
But, you know, so then he becomes a tremendous high school player in Utah. He grows up to be a seven-footer. He's the Utah Gatorade Player of the Year in the late 1990s. Um, terrific center and ends up, yeah, he goes to uh, Utah first for a couple of years and then on to Weber State. And I actually think that what he's done since is, has been pretty extraordinary. He played for, what, over a dozen, I think it was, um, professional teams mostly in Europe. Um and made he made history where he made history was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He became the first uh, legally deaf player to play in the NBA, but also the first Mexican American player. Wow. And, you know, now he's a he's a speaker. He he goes on tours uh, internationally doing motivational speeches. You know, and this guy, you know, I would love actually to know more about his memories of being in Pinesdale because it's just again it's just. An extraordinary story that uh, you're right. I think very few people are aware uh, who he was and, and that he came from here. He came back once upon a time because my some of my friends in college were from Stevensville and Corvallis, and we used to go to open gym down in Stevensville. And I'll never forget the day when both Lance Allred and Scott Paget were both there at open gym. I'm like, who's guarding these guys? <laughs> one of them six ten, one of them seven feet tall. Well, we didn't have much of a chance that day, so uh, th- that was definitely a, a memorable one. Uh, two more Bitterroot towns to get to. Part of our Bitterroot breakdown. Jeff Welsh joined us here. The book Montana Greats from A to Z: The Greatest Athletes from 264 Montana communities. Stevensville, this seemed like this probably was a slam dunk. Joe Cummings from Steve I, yeah. uh, the choice. and uh, I mean, this guy had a, a pretty prominent, pretty prestigious athletic career. Well, you know, no question. I mean, he's, I, I would call this one of the more traditional picks for the book. Um, you know, his, his, uh, his dad played in the NFL and is in the Stanford Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, he was, uh, he was, you know, they say in the book, he's the all-class player of the year for for. Levi in 1991 went on to play for Wyoming, um, all Western athletic, and then, and then goes on to be an undrafted free agent with the Eagles. Um, and, uh, you know, I believe now he is still uh, living in the valley, running, a, running trips down the Bitterroot River for, for fly fishermen. But, yeah, there, you know, there really wasn't anybody who, uh, who hotly contested for Joe Cummings being the, the, the guy for Stevie. And last one, not to be forgotten, Sula, just right on the other side of uh, Darby. Uh, this one also uh, goes way back, at least half a century. How Westian, am I saying this correctly? You are, yeah. You know, and, and this again is where there were, it was so interesting that, and part of the reason why I didn't just stick to communities with high schools, because how Westian was a baseball player, a, a tremendous athlete uh, who his family homesteaded down in the, in the very upper Bitterroot. And, you know, he, he went to Darby, of course, because that was the closest school. Um, but, you know, he ends up going on to play baseball at uh, what was then Western Montana College and, uh, you know, led the, led the school to some conference championship um, and might have gone on to do some other things, but there was an, uh, you know, an injury in his family and he had to go back to, to work on the farm. And, you know, he's in Western's Hall of Fame and, and this is another piece to me that's been so fun about this book is that even now as I, as I do statistics or punch in box scores or look at our Facebook page, I see names that resonate all the way back. And I see the name Westion yes. even to this day. And, uh, but, but yeah, you know, to be able to include Sula and not have to eliminate a, a how Westian because of two better ca- uh, characters at, at Darby, 
uh, was great and, and was, again, part of the, the fun of doing this. Well, this is an awesome book. If you were a Montana sports fan, a Montana fan in general, a history fan, anything in between, Montana greats from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. Jeff Welsh, the author, also the managing editor over there at 406mtsports.com. Uh, Jeff, always a pleasure, man. I'm certainly, I'm certain we will uh, readdress some more small Montana towns soon, but thanks for being here today. Yeah, always fun to be with you, Coulter, and look forward to doing it again. There you go, Jeff Welsh. Get you set up for your Friday. Next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. But you didn't know he could sing ballads, too. Little Marcus King for you here as we wind down. But have no fear. We got some more local sports action coming up. 745 will be live for Grizz Hockey. Puck drops at 8. They're playing Weber, or Utah Valley tonight. Excuse me, Weber State tomorrow, Utah State on Saturday. So three and three days for the Grizz Hockey team. Thanks so much for joining us here on Nuanas Now. You missed anything in the show, find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Jam-packed lineup once again tomorrow. Rajim Seabrook, Carolyn, and much more. We'll see you then. ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now <laughs> for the <laughs> University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.